honor and a, a real privilege for me to share uh, the message this morning. So uh, my name is Lorraine, and uh, I do want to thank you once again for your continued support for our work in Thailand. And um, especially at this time of the year, I'm really thinking about Thailand because it's just such a wonderful opportunity uh, to go and to share the good news about Jesus uh, as we talk about the meaning of Christmas. And when I went to Thailand, my vision was that every Thai child would hear the good news of salvation through Jesus at least once in their life. And God opened an amazing door um, into the Thai schools. And so especially uh, at Christmas, we uh, put together uh, the good news team and we went into schools and it was just uh, so wonderful. Uh, We found the children were just so open, so responsive. And in fact... It is now uh, 39 years. This Christmas is the 39th year that the Good News team has been going into Thai schools. And uh, so in that time, hundreds of thousands of children have heard the good news about Jesus, especially uh, at Christmas. And so if you ask me, Lorraine, what was the most enjoyable uh, thing that you did? What did you most enjoy about your time in Thailand? Well, I would have to say that I absolutely loved Christmas. And I loved going into those schools. And I just loved uh, going with my team and just talking about Jesus in the Thai schools at Christmas. That was the thing I really enjoyed. But if you uh, perhaps ask me, well, what did you least enjoy? Well, my answer is somewhat the same. What I least enjoyed was Christmas Day. Because unless it was a Sunday, uh, Christmas Day was just an ordinary work day. Everything was open and the traffic was absolutely horrendous. And so if you went out to visit your friends on Christmas Day, you might spend three hours sitting in traffic. And it's really three hours just to get there, and then you have your Christmas dinner, and then you go home again another three hours. It really wasn't much fun. In fact, I can remember one time I was on a bus, stuck in a a big traffic jam, and I'd been sitting there for two or three hours. I was hungry. I was starving. And so I hopped off the bus and went into a little shop, ordered some noodles, ate the noodles, and got back on the same bus. It's really not very much fun. Because it's a work day, all the Christians and all the churches on the closest Sunday to Christmas, they just have a huge celebration. And so this is a photo of Mung Tong Life Church and the Christmas just passed, and they invited everybody and just had a great time singing and wonderful food. But the best thing was that the end of the service... 13 Thai Buddhists walked to the front of the church because they wanted to follow Jesus. They decided to follow Jesus. I think that's such a great way to celebrate Christmas, isn't it? So I just love being in Thailand. Yeah, it's worth celebrating, isn't it? I just love being in Thailand. I love the food. I love the lovely climate and the lovely warm weather. I love catching up with my friends. But you know, last time... I was in Thailand. Now, I'm not blaming Julia for this, but she was there. And this actually happened to me when Julia got on the, uh, was getting ready to get on the plane to come back to Christchurch. She came back a bit before me. And as she was getting ready and going to the airport, you know what? I just had the strangest feeling. It was a weird feeling. I'd never had it before. I was in Thailand, but I had this feeling... I don't belong here. I'm homesick. 
I want to go home. And instead of home being Thailand, home was Christchurch. And maybe you can identify with that feeling. You've gone on holiday. You've been there, some, been somewhere amazing. But you just have this feeling, I don't belong here. I, be- I belong somewhere else. And that's all of our story. Because we weren't created just to spend a few short years in this world. We were made for another world. We were made for heaven. And I want to just spend the next 20 minutes or so just talking about heaven because I believe that just thinking about heaven motivates us to make the very most of the time that we have here on earth. So we are people of destiny and heaven is our true destiny. Heaven is actually more than our final destination. It is our destiny. We, in fact, are eternal beings with a glorious future. But what we do in this world is crucially important to how that, what that future looks like. So what does it look like? Well, I think that uh, Paul gives us a good idea about what it means to be people of destiny. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, Paul says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do God's works, to do good works, sorry, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I love this verse. This word, uh, work, uh, handiwork, that we've got here, handiwork, we are God's handiwork, that's a special word that, word that can be translated masterpiece. And actually, it's a beautiful picture of God as a master craftsman. And he's made you. He created you. He says you are his masterpiece. To, and it says to do good works. What are those good works? They are activities of eternal significance that only you can do. You're an eternal being made to do good works, good activities that have eternal significance. So I think a good question to ask ourselves as we go into 2018 is, so what are those things that God has created me to do? What was I created for? And perhaps even a bigger question is, how does God's plan for my little life fit into his overall purpose? We know from the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we see God's great purpose to gather to himself a people from all the nations of the world, to be his people, a people, a special people, a called out people, the church, the bride of Christ, a people for himself, made up of all of the nations of the world. As I look back on 2017, and the, and the highlights that we had here at Life Church, I'd have to say that one of the real highlights would have to be the God of Nations service. Who was here? Who was here at the God of Nations service? Wasn't that amazing? And, and, and really for me, a high point came when more than half of the church of those who were born in a different nation from New Zealand came up the front, came up and stood on the stage. How many of you came up and stood on the stage? That was amazing. That was wonderful. Do you know, I actually cried a little bit sitting in my seat. And just all the beautiful clothes. 
at all the cultures represented, all the different languages, all the different nations. And I can remember that just at some point during that time, I think it was Dave Bennett who said, you know what, this is a picture of heaven. And it is, isn't it? A picture of heaven with all the different nations there. But in my heart, I also had a little feeling of sadness because of those who are not there. And I don't mean those who were not there up on the stage at Life Church, but those who still, after more than 2,000 years, know nothing about heaven, know nothing about Jesus, have never heard even once that Jesus died on the cross to make a way so that they could go to heaven. There are languages that have never, ever yet been heard in heaven. The Baka language, possibly, from South Sudan. The language of the Lake Tana people that Nick and Emily are going to. Some of those Lao languages never yet been heard in heaven. And how are they going to hear? They're going to hear through people of destiny, you and I. You know, when I was in Thailand last time, I met this young lady called Pat, and she was there at Mung Tong Life Church, and she came in and sat beside me, and her face just glowed. And she'd only been a Christian for two months, and she told me her story, and she said, you know, Lorraine, about three years, uh, sorry, three months ago, not three years, three months ago, she said, I was... She was a Thai Buddhist. And she said, I was at the temple and I was making offerings. And she said, the sense of incredible darkness came over me. And my heart was filled with fear. I felt desperate. I just felt the darkness. And I thought, what's going to happen to me when I die? I've got no idea. And she didn't know God and she didn't know Jesus. And she didn't know who to pray to. So she prayed to the spiritual powers. And she, and she said, please help me to be released from the sense of fear. But nothing happened. And she went home and she was just, she was crying. She was just feeling so desperate. When she went to, when she slept that night, you know, God gave her a dream. God, you know, it was Jesus, you know, it was God that appeared to her in her dream and said, Pat, I want you to go somewhere. He showed her uh, the signpost to Mung Tong Life Church. And, she, and she'd driven past it, but she saw it in the dream very, very clearly. And God said, tomorrow you go there, and they are going to tell you how you can be released from this fear. And so she said she, she, she went to the church, and, and some people sat down with her and talked with her and prayed for her. And she said, from that moment, the fear left my heart. She said, and I've been filled with this joy and this, just this sense of peace and joy. You know, I thought, how amazing, how amazing. You know, I know that, that many of us in this church and we, and we, we give faithfully uh, and, and a lot of that goes to mission uh, and, and some of that has gone to Thailand uh, and, 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 so we, and we give offerings and we pray and we work together and I want to tell you that Bangkok is a really tough place but we've worked together for so many years and now there's a church there how good is this is a church there that when there's a desperate young person that God can appear to them in a dream and say you go there you go to that church and you will be released and Pat Pat's destiny has been changed she's going to heaven I think it's just 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 so exciting
And I think because we've had part of that, then we're people of destiny. Yeah. It doesn't have to be just in Christchurch either. And some of you have seen um, this slide before. And these are the most unreached people groups in the world. I've done a lot of research about this. Number one, the, the Rifi Berber people of Morocco. Number two, the Lao people of Lao. And, and it goes through the list. Number four means these, these are the fourth most unreached people, uh, people groups. But the real point of the slide is that every one of these people groups have got people from them living here in Christchurch. And maybe they're living right next door to you. Maybe they're living in your street. And maybe you are that person of destiny that God wants to use. And, and you say, oh, Lorraine, I, I wouldn't know what to say. Well, just be a friend. Just be a friend. Just, just, just invite them in for a cup of tea. Tell them your story so that they can go to heaven too. You know, I was preparing um, this message and praying about heaven, and, and I realized that sometimes when we think about heaven, and, you know, to get to heaven, you've got to die first, it can make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. We can, we can just feel just a little bit maybe anxious about thoughts of heaven. And I think it's so wonderful that Jesus understands that, because he was talking about his own death, and the disciples were getting very distressed. And he said these words to them in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. I just, I just love this. You know, I, I think that why we sometimes feel uncomfortable is that heaven is very unfamiliar to us. We just don't know what it's going to be like. But Jesus said... In, in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3, he said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. So if your heart's feeling a little bit troubled and anxious, Jesus says it's going to be okay. You believe in God, don't you? You believe in God. And Jesus said, Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back, and I will take you to be with me, so that you may also be where I am. So, so Jesus knows that to us, heaven feels unfamiliar, and he's saying it's going to be okay. He uses this language of home. He talks about houses and rooms, and it's this beautiful image of home, which is the most familiar place to us, isn't it? What's it like when you've been on holiday? I'm sure that you've, you've had this feeling, and maybe you've been on the best holiday ever. You've been on a cruise to the Bahamas, or you've been to Stewart Island, or you've been somewhere and you've just had this great holiday. But you, you, you come home after the best holiday of your life, and then you walk into your home. How do you feel? <sighs> I'm home. I don't know about you. I put on my favorite music. I put on some nice, comfy clothes. Because I'm home. I belong here. It's familiar. The best people are there, aren't they? At home. They might annoy you sometimes, but they're the best people. So heaven is our true home. It's our perfect home. But you know, it gets better than that. Because 
in the Bible, it tells us that when we get to heaven, death and suffering are finally defeated. And in the last book of the Bible, God gives to the Apostle John this beautiful picture of heaven, a revelation of heaven. And I'd just like to read uh, from the book of Revelation. Do you know there's a special blessing when you read from the book of Revelation? So we're all going to be blessed this morning. In Revelation chapter 21, second to last book of the Bible, and uh, John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And we see that there's going to come a time when we go to heaven, death and suffering in our lives are finally defeated. You know, we think that we live for such a short time on this earth and then we die and then death lasts forever. But it's actually totally the opposite. From the very moment that we receive Jesus into our lives, the Holy Spirit, the eternal Holy Spirit came into our hearts gave us eternal life. That's a good little hint, isn't it? Eternal life that lasts forever. And what is temporary is death. Death has been defeated and it's just temporary. All suffering will be over. I don't know about you, but I've done quite a bit of study about mission history. And one of the things that you'll very quickly find If you look at the history of the expansion of the Christian movement, you will see that the kingdom of God always advances at the cost of suffering. I hope you love your Bible. I hope you read your Bible because so many Bible translators have laid down their very lives. And Phil and Janet going to South Sudan to translate the scriptures into those languages so that these people can go to heaven. And it's not an easy place, but it's worth it. Those 6,000, more than 6,000 unreached people groups that are still waiting to hear for the very first time. And maybe it's going to take some suffering to reach them, but it's going to be worth it because in this Uh, wonderful revelation that John had of heaven, he saw that there will be no more death. In fact, this is what God said to him. This is what God promised him. And I made a little list of the suffering that will no longer be in heaven. Because he says there's no death in heaven, so there's no death, and there's none of the suffering that accompanies death. There's no more pain, There are no hospitals in heaven. There are no funerals in heaven. There's no more wheelchairs. There's no grief. There are no more broken hearts. No more broken dreams. No more broken homes. No poverty, no slavery. There are no more kidney failures. 
No heart failure. In fact, there's no failure of any kind in heaven. There's no dialysis. There's no eye disease. There's no blindness. There's no lameness. There's no muscular dystrophy. There's no flu or any viral illnesses. There's no diabetes, no cancer, no more chemotherapy, no strokes, no cataracts, no exhaustion, no depression. And I just wrote down on that list some of my family's suffering. And you can make your own list. And I'm not saying that I understand the problem of suffering. And I certainly don't have all the answers. But there is one thing that I know and I'm absolutely convinced of, and that is that God, in the person of Jesus, he suffered an agonizing death upon the cross to make it possible for us to go to heaven where there is no more suffering. And when he died on the cross, you know, he defeated death. He defeated Satan. He defeated every spiritual force of wickedness. They're defeated. They're vanquished. And after Jesus died, his physical body was resurrected. And you know, the Bible clearly says that his resurrection guarantees, guarantees that this body, this body, one day is also going to be resurrected. So I believe that in the light of the fact that this body will not last forever, that it will not live forever on this earth, but it's going to die, but it's going to be resurrected, and I'm going to live eternally with God in heaven and with a glorious future, I need to make some decisions. Heaven demands some decisions. And so I wrote down a decision I think is a good decision, and that is decide to be there and take others with you. Now, last year, after the, state, the God of Nations service and the statement that this is a picture of heaven, I decided to do a study on heaven. So I did this little study on heaven, and I, I talked to my friends. And so I, I, I said to my friends, of course, as we talked about heaven, yes, we all want to be there. That's a no-brainer. We've all decided we want to be there. But my question to them was, so when? When do you want to be there? Uh, today? The end of the day? How about tomorrow? Well, what about at the end of the month? You live this month, and then at the end of the month, you know you're going to heaven. How about the end of the year? And you know, I found a very surprising answer. Quite an interesting feedback. Because none of my friends wanted to go to heaven very soon. Everybody said, yes, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go now. And some of them said, well, I've got unfulfilled prophecy which is a bit of a cop-out, and I think it's a way of saying I don't want to go to heaven now. Why is that? I kind of understand that feeling, and, and, and probably you do too. Why is that? Because the big question is, what am I going to be doing in heaven? What am I going to be doing in heaven? Am I just going to be sitting on a cloud? Am I going to be playing a harp forever? Well, 
I'm quite an active person, and that sounds very boring to me. And do you know they've taken surveys, and most Christians think that heaven is going to be boring, like this cartoon. And the man is up there on his cloud. Oh, I wish I'd bought a magazine. Because this is a very long time, isn't it? To have nothing to read. Where ever did we get that idea about heaven? It is totally unbiblical. We are not going to be floating around on a cloud. In fact, the Bible says we are going to be ruling and reigning with Christ forever. Wow. My favorite author, well, well, no, I won't say absolute favorite. One of my favorite authors, Dallas Willard. If you've read anything of his, he says that in heaven, we will be occupied. Sorry, I was a bit loud there. <laughs> in heaven, we will be occupied in endless cycles of enjoyable and meaningful activity. Hey, does that sound better to you? I'll read it again. In heaven, we will be occupied in endless cycles of enjoyable and meaningful activity. Where did he get that idea? Well, I think we get a tantalizing glimpse of this in a parable that Jesus told. And Jesus should know, shouldn't he? In Luke chapter 19, verse 17. And he's telling this parable and he says, Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. I want to hear him say well done. I'm sure you do too. I want to hear him say you've been faithful. But now take charge of ten cities? What's that going to be like? I mean, what if God says to you, rule over one city? You rule over Christchurch or Auckland. What about a little town? Kaikoura, Greymouth. Or I don't know about you, but I'm not ready. I'm not ready for that. And see, that is why I'm not in heaven yet. That's one of the reasons why I'm still here on earth. Because God hasn't finished working on me yet. And everything that happens to us in this life is an opportunity. It's an opportunity as we respond to God. He's training us. He's training us to rule and reign with him for eternity. So God is getting us ready to rule and reign in, in a physical place. And uh, my time is up this morning. If we carried on looking through Revelation, if we had time, John describes heaven in the most amazing ways. He talks about it as a city, a huge, huge city, plenty of room there, so not overcrowded, so you can invite lots of people to go there. It's got walls, amazing walls. It's very safe. It has foundations, so it's very stable. This world doesn't feel very stable, does it, sometimes? There are no fingers on buttons in heaven. It's a safe and a stable place. And in, uh, in, right at the end of Revelation chapter 21, John focuses in on the gates. 
And he says the 12, the 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. Just think about the, the gates of pearl. It says that each gate was made of one single pearl. That must have been a pretty big pearl. As far as I know, pearls are created when an oyster gets a little bit of sand inside its shell. And the oyster doesn't like it. It's painful. It's irritating. And so the oyster lays down a layer of mother of pearl and keeps doing it until there's no more pain. So pearls are created through pain. But how much would that oyster had to suffer to produce this huge pearl that served as a gate? And I, and I just wonder if the, the gates of pearl in heaven are symbolic of the cross, the death, the suffering of Jesus. And some people say, well, there's many ways to heaven. You don't need to believe in Jesus. You don't have to follow Jesus to go to heaven. Everybody just has their own way. Absolutely not. That's completely untrue. Jesus himself said, I am the way. I am the door. There is only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus. I want to be there. If you want to be there, we need to make sure that we have made a profession of faith in Jesus. People say you can't take anything to heaven, but actually you can. You can take people to heaven. You can take nations to heaven. And the last verse of Revelation chapter 21, verse 26, says the glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. What could be the glory and the honor of the nations? Well, it would have to be people, wouldn't it? Those unreached people groups will be there in heaven. I love that. I find that so encouraging. The Thai peoples are going to be there. The Lao peoples will be there. The Koti will be there. The Mwani will be there. The Lake Tana people are going to be there. Baka people of South Sudan, they're going to be there. Through our prayers, through our offerings, working together with our mission partners, we can help that to happen. Happen. So in the light of this teaching about heaven this morning, it leaves us with a big question, and perhaps the worship team could come up now. That would be a good time for you guys to come up. And the question really is, well, so what? If this physical body is going to be resurrected and live forever in heaven, how does that affect what I do tomorrow? And I just love this uh, last verse that we're going to look at in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and, and verse 58. And in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, Paul talks very clearly and plainly about the physical resurrection, the resurrection of our physical bodies. What's that going to be like? He describes it in great detail. And in verse 58, he answers the so what question. And, and so he says, therefore, 
My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So nothing that you do is in vain because resurrection of this body is coming. So stand firm. Let nothing move you. Don't give up. When you're tired, when you're sick, when you're suffering, when you're broke, when you're in trouble, when you're alone, when you're scared, don't give up. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, says Paul. Give yourself to God. Trust God. Serve God. Love God. Do your work for God and with God because he is still in the business of saving people and nations, and what you do for the Lord is not in vain. Every one of us is part of God's great plan. So every act of love, gratitude, kindness, every encouraging conversation, every deed that spreads the good news of Jesus, every prayer you pray, every gracious word is accomplishing something that will be part of God's new world in heaven. And we're going to be there. But don't show up alone. Invite someone to go with you. And I'm going to do that right now. So can we, can we just stand up together? And I just want to ask you, if you're not sure this morning that you are going to heaven, here, right now, is your opportunity. It's your opportunity to make sure, to make 100% sure. If you're not sure that you're really God's child, right now, put your faith in Jesus by praying this prayer together with us. And we're going to just pray together now. You just pray after me. Pray in your heart. Pray out loud. Let's just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I open my heart and accept you as my Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Forgive me for my sins and mistakes. Come and be the Lord of my life. I am yours and I belong to you. I choose to follow you and your plan for my life. Amen. Amen. If you did pray that prayer for the first time, or you'd like someone to pray with you, please talk with somebody after this service. And um, the hosts, I'm sure, have a, a copy of this book. Uh, sorry, I said yes. This book, I said yes. Um, and there's also a What's Next station in the foyer. You can find some materials that will help you to grow in your relationship with Christ. And finally, for all of us, be filled with hope. Be filled with hope as we think about heaven. But more than that, we can be a beacon of hope for other people. So this week, you can give hope to everyone you, you meet. Because one day, all of us who are standing here in this room will be together again with all, all of those that we've loved and lost, celebrating together in God's new, redeemed, and resurrected earth. This is what it means to be people of destiny. We're going to sing together.